Welcome to the 134th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we're recording on June 5th, 2019. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show. With me, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at GameCritics. How you doing, Corey? I am doing pretty well, Brad. Um, despite the audience hearing this episode right now, little do they know, we have already been talking for more than two hours going into this show. True fact. True fact. Why is that, Corey? It is because uh, I'm actually, at the time of recording, this is June 5th, like you just said, um, I'm actually going out of town in a few days on Sunday, which is the 9th. I will be out of town for an entire week, going to a business trip, and then I'm staying in the town. I'm going on the trip for for kind of like a mini vacation after, which leaves me unable to record a show next week because I feel like if we tried to set up recording with me in a laptop in a hotel room, it would be a disaster. And plus, I'm going to be very busy, and you are also very busy, so... We just recorded a special kind of banter slash Q&A show. Um, it's about two, well, will be about two hours long by the time I edit it. And that will be coming out the week that I'm on my business trip slash vacation. So we're in this weird time loop where we recorded that show first, but it's actually the show that's going to come out second out of these two. Um, but yes, this is the show you'll hear first. And then next week when you hear the Q&A show... We actually just finished recording that, so we don't like to miss weeks of recordings, and sometimes this is what it takes to get there by doing two shows in one day. So I am already pretty tired, and we're just now starting the real the real show. No one said time travel would be easy, am I right? <laughs> I suppose. True words have just been spoken. <laughs> Let's move on since we, I mean, I am also feeling the burn after a two-hour show that we just did. But we love our listeners. We would never, never let them go a week without uh, without an episode unless we couldn't do it. But we actually could do it this week, so we're going to actually do it. Uh, very happy to do the extra work because we love you guys so much. Um, before we get into games, uh, as you probably have figured out by now, there is not going to be any banter this week. It's going to be just this show, the games-focused show. Uh, if you want the banter, look for it next week, because as Corey just said, that's going to be our fill-in episode, along with some Q&A. So today, we just have games chat, a little bit of other chat, but mostly just the games. Uh, a little bit different format next week, the fill-in episode, and then we're back to uh, regular business in the third week following this one. Am I getting my times right? One, two... Anyway, whatever, folks. We're, we're going to keep doing shows. You're going to keep hearing shows. But today, there's no banter. That's the point. Um, all right, cool. Let's get into the show proper. Um, first thing, let's talk about the game giveaway. Um, we had a, lot, a real strong response last week, which was great. I'm happy to give away games. I'm really glad people stepped up to claim those free games. Uh, last week's winners are My Sinclair and Tony Para. Um, I believe I have already contacted both of you through email. Please let me know if you haven't heard from me. Uh, and there is more info coming up on our weekly giveaway at the end of the show. I got more games to give out, so hang tight for that. Uh, but before we get into our proper game topics, I have a little bit of, I don't want to say housekeeping, but kind of like random odds and ends that I wanted to get into uh, before we talk about our, our proper topics. Um, before I launch into it, do you have any little bits and bobs, Corey, or you want me just to go ahead with what I've got here? Um, I think my only housekeeping was just the notes on doing the Q&A show for next week. So the floor is yours, Brad. 
Okay, so this may come as a little bit of a, sh a shock, a little bit of a surprise. I have, I've been very careful to not mention this on Twitter because I didn't want you to be spoiled and I wanted to save it for the show. Oh, I mean, no. or maybe you won't oh, care. No. Maybe you what won't give a shit. Be? Who knows? Uh, so I, 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 I fired up my Xbox One the other day, which already in itself is kind of a surprise. <laughs> and I, we haven't really talked about it in depth, but you know Xbox has their new Game Pass service. Are you familiar with this Game Pass service, Corey? This is like the Netflix of Xbox, right? Basically, yeah. So they have a service where you pay 10 bucks a month and then they 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 curate, uh, I don't know how many games is on there. It's probably like more than 100 games. And some games come, some games go, just like Netflix. Like they don't always have the same games. Uh, but people have been talking about it for a while and I've been like, I mean, fuck off. Like I don't, I never played the Xbox. Uh, a lot of the exclusives I don't really care about. I have most of those games that they're on the Game Pass that are on PS4 also. Or I've got them on Switch or I just don't care. So I just have just I just just haven't given a shit. I have not given a shit until last week. So this may come as a surprise, but I actually signed up for the Xbox One Game Pass service. Sounds crazy because how often do I ever talk about Xbox? How often do I ever play Xbox? But I'll tell you why, Corey. Uh, I'll tell you why because a lot of new games are coming and they're debuting on Game Pass, and I'm noticing that developers who are having their games on Game Pass are not giving codes out. So if there's ever a game that you want to review, this has happened more and more recently and it's happening pretty commonly now. So if there's an indie developer or, or a, you know, a PC developer that's porting a title and they bring it to Game Pass, they are not giving out codes because, I mean, I guess they just assume every game reviewer already has Game Pass, which to be fair is a pretty safe assumption. I mean, if you're in the review game, you got to play everything. You got to have all the consoles. You got to be where the action is. And Game Pass has been heating up. So I just, I honestly haven't had a reason to join Game Pass. But last week, or maybe it was the week before, two games came out that I was actually quite interested in. And neither one of them, as far as I know, were giving out game codes or even offering game codes. Um, the first game was Void Bastards, which is kind of a first-person sci-fi roguelike. And you know, I have a weakness for the roguelikes. You know that I, I dabble in the roguelikes. Um, so that one caught my attention. And the other one was Outer Wilds, which is kind of a, uh, it's a first-person sci-fi Groundhog Day game where you play an alien person who has a spaceship, and you can travel to different planets, but there's some kind of a mystery going on, but it's, it's going to take multiple runs through the timeline in order to figure out the mystery. I played it at PAX last year, and I was like, oh, this looks really cool, I want to play this, and that was one of the games that was debuting on Game Pass, and I'm like, damn it, like, I wanted to play that. <laughs> And they're just not offering codes. And so I'm like, okay, fine. This is two cool games that are debuting in the same month, in the same week for 10 bucks a month, which honestly is, I mean, I, okay, like I know money is tight and people are, are struggling to make a dollar in today's economy. Like it's not easy. Um, $10 is a lot of money to a lot of people. So I'm not saying it's not a lot of money, but for, you know, I mean, $10, if you're into video games in general is not a huge amount of money. So I thought, okay, well, I can I can pay $10 for this one month. If I manage to play both of those games in one month, um, that's cheaper than me, like, buying those games by a large margin. So I thought, okay, well, this is the month I'm going to do it. So I joined Game Pass for at least one month so far. I downloaded Void Bastards, downloaded Outer Wilds. I haven't played either one yet, so, I mean, whatever. <laughs> um, that's so me, right? And then... Uh, at the same time, I looked at what they also had on Game Pass. They had, like, you know, I said 100-ish games or something like that. 
most of them I didn't give a shit about. Uh, a lot of them I already had, or a lot of them I never, I never cared about in the first place. But there were maybe like 10 or 15 games out of 100 that I had like at least middling interest in. So I just downloaded everything that I thought I may want to play just for future. So I downloaded games for like two days straight. I think I filled up my Xbox to being like 98% full. And I haven't played jack shit, but at least I've got those games and I'll check them out as soon as I can. Um, especially Outer Wilds. People are saying a lot of really good things about that one. So I want to get to that one sooner rather than later. But I am a card carrying game pass member on Xbox One, Corey. Is that is that shocking to you? Are you scared? Are you nervous? <laughs> um, I'm okay with this decision because that means that you will be able to bring more stuff to the show and more games is always good if they're if the game's themselves are good absolutely absolutely so we'll see what happens i'm not saying that i'm gonna stay a member um because like i said most of those games i don't care about but if this trend continues of interesting indies and pc ports coming to xbox one as a game pass debut and no codes being available for review then i guess i may end up re-upping but we'll see anyway heads up on that game pass is a thing i'm now in it we'll see how it goes um but you know there we go um, second thing, just a real quick, uh, not really a shout out, but more of like a, hey, where are you at? I notice we haven't heard from Jeroon in many moons. Oh, no. Remember Jeroon? Of course Good I old do. Jeroon. Yeah. Of course you remember Jeroon. Of course you remember Jeroon. Jeroon, where are you at, brother? We haven't heard from you in I don't even know how long. And you are like, uh, you're a super fan, man. So if you're out there, give us an email. Let us know that you're okay. Let us know that you're still kicking. Uh, cause I used to always look forward to your emails. We emailed many times and, uh, just give us a shout. You're probably busy. I know we're busy too, but tweet me something. Let me know you're okay. would love to hear from you, man. So that was it. Jeroen, where are you? Give us a message. Uh, other than that, nothing left on the docket. So I say, let's get to the games, Corey. You ready to talk about games? I am ready to talk about some games. All right. This week, we're going to start off with you. You are bringing coffee crisis from Mega Cat Studios, originally released in 2017, I believe on PC, recently came to the Switch, recently came to other platforms. All I know about it, it's like a 2D beat-em-up. That's all I really know. So tell us about Coffee Crisis. Well, I'm going to pull a true Brad Galloway with this game because I played it for all of about 15 minutes, about oh, shit. a week ago. <laughs> and the good news here is that I'm not coming to say I played it for 15 minutes and it was god-awful and I turned it off and I will never go back to it. But I just haven't... I was planning on playing another game to talk about for the show, which I'm not going to get into right now, but if next week's show, I've got a big old rant about why I wasn't able to play it. So I'll bring that to a future show, but... So I was kind of banking on that other game to bring to the show, so I didn't really play Coffee Crisis very much, but I played a little bit of it, and it's basically, I bought it on Switch, I bought it on a sale, it was like a dollar and some change, like a dollar thirty, dollar forty, something like that. Super cheap, and so I was interested, I picked it up. It is very, um, sort of like old school, kind of whenever I first saw it, it reminded me a little bit of like the Streets of Rage games on Sega Genesis, because it kind of has a similar... It's not isometric, but it's like a slightly tilted 2D view where you can walk back into the depth of the world, but it's still like pretty side-scrolly. And it's a beat-em-up game. It is heavily, I think, based in co-op where you can do split-screen co-op. Or I guess it's not really split-screen because the characters are all in the same space at the same time. But it's like couch co-op. There's probably online co-op, but I have not explored that yet. 
And from what I can gather, because it's one of those kind of silly games that just kind of gets you into the thick of it and doesn't really like, you know, have a big opening cutscene or whatever and like really build up to it. But from what I can gather, um, it is about uh, like an alien race that comes down to Earth and basically is trying to kill everybody. And you play as one of two baristas, sort of like in a Starbucks sense, and you kind of take to the streets and fight these aliens. And it's basically just like a, kind of a brawler, like Streets of Rage, um, you know, has a light attack, has a heavy attack. I think there's like a special attack. You can jump, you can grapple, and you can throw enemies. Has a very cartoony look. It looks similar to the Scott Pilgrim game that came out on Xbox 360. Um, that was also kind of modeled after the Streets of Rage sort of uh, formula. And for, like, I kind of like what's going on here because these games don't pop up that often. And I was a big, 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 big Streets of Rage fan back in the day. I loved those games. And I think that those types of games are something, you know, sort of like how I talk about fixed camera survival horror games. Like, I feel like that era of brawlers could have a place in modern gaming right now and they just don't really exist very much or at least not to my knowledge they don't exist very much but the thing about coffee crisis that kind of turned me off a little bit and i will try to go back to it but it's pretty hard and i think that this is one of those games that is sort of meant to be played with somebody else because you can play a single player you can select if you want to play as the female character or the male character at the outset but I died pretty quickly in, like, the second stage. And you have a number of continues. Like, if you die, I think it's, like, three or four times that you die. And then once you die that many times, you have to basically start all the way over. And it's so old school that whenever you finish a level, it gives you a password to write down that you have oh, to Jesus. input. Which sounds silly, but I'm actually pretty on board with this. Because it's something that I haven't seen in a game since, Jesus, like, literally, like, the Sega Genesis era. So it gives you like a little, you know, like maybe seven character password. And whenever you die, you know, four or five times or however many before it takes you back to the start screen, you put the password in, you can go start back at the level that you were at. So as far as I've discovered, it doesn't have an autosave. It doesn't really have a checkpoint system. You just have a certain amount of lives. And then once you run out of them, um, you're done. And you have to go back to the start or remember the password and put it in. But I mean, my little bit of beef with this game is that it's just kind of hard. Like I got to the second level, I died however many times it takes to die before I got back to the start menu. And I, I think I took a screenshot of the password. But by the time I got to, this, to the start menu, I just kind of like didn't really want to go back into it. Like I think I would rather play it if I had like maybe if Patrick and I played it together or if we did some cute, you know, like couch co-op or something like that, I think that would be a better way to tackle it because I just feel like, you know, in general, it's one of those games that would be better served as a co-op experience. Um, but I do like what it's doing. Like, you can definitely tell that it's an homage to Streets of Rage. Like, in the second level, there are some, you know, kind of like um, like bodysuit-wearing ladies that have whips, and that's like a big throwback to Streets of Rage, like the electric whip ladies and... I kind of like that bit, and it's very goofy. Like, this game is not to be taken seriously at all. It's really silly, really goofy, just kind of like a fun little beat-em-up brawler like this. I just, like, wish it were a little bit easier because at the rate I played it, I mean, obviously, I stopped, like, 15 minutes in because I died, and then I went back to the start menu. Just wasn't really feeling it, but I think maybe this game's, like, hidden secret could be its co-op, and if you play it with a partner, I'm sure it's easier 
but I have not played it with a partner yet. I will try to in the future and maybe bring some impressions back to the show if I do. So I like what they're doing here. I just wish that it weren't so difficult or that it maybe didn't demand a co-op partner or like, you know, lightning fast reflexes in order to beat it in single player mode. Hmm. I've never been the biggest fan of 2D beat-em-ups. I mean, I played my fair share back in the day when that's kind of what was going on in the game scene. Um, but now that we've gotten away from that, I, I I can't remember the last one that I've played where I was like, yeah, I'm really liking this a lot and I'm digging it. Like, I, I know that um, Castle Crashers came out a while ago and that was really popular for a long time, but I just thought it was so boring and just so repetitive. And I think, not to pick on Castle Crashers specifically, but I think just that genre of game um, I, I, man, I don't know if I could ever play another one of those again. I just, I feel like they would just be so boring and repetitive, but, um, if you do end up playing this one with Patrick or with someone else and you feel like there's value there, let me know. I will definitely do that. All right, let's move on. Let's move on past coffee crisis. I mean, I guess uh, one more question before we move on. So they're baristas, but why are they baristas? Like what is, who cares? Like why, why is that a thing? Is it, are the aliens stealing coffee beans or something or what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we were at, that's a mystery to be solved at some time <laughs> in the future. We'll find out about the coffee. We'll let you people know. Uh, let's move on really quickly. I played Akane, A-K-A-N-E, from Ludic Studios, which as far as I could tell was first released this year. Uh, I'm playing it on the Switch. I believe it's also on PC, I would, I would, I would guess. This is a 2D top-down... I mean, I don't even know what to even call this. This is a style of game that we are seeing a lot of right now. I don't know what's going on. All the indie developers were apparently all at the same bar, like last year in E3, <laughs> when they all talked about, hey, let's all make a single screen um, Smash TV style beat-em-up where you just play in one screen and, you know, you got to unlock stuff as you go. And, like, I mean, I've seen, like, a dozen of these, like, in the past month. They're just coming out like crazy. Um, I don't know why everybody decided to make these all of a sudden. I mean, it's it's better than getting the multiplayer party game that the indie developers were all doing like a couple months ago. Uh, but I wish they would kind of like not all come out at the same time because it's really hard to play a lot of these in a row. But I picked Akane as the one that I was going to play because the developer sent us code and that really gets you pretty far if you want to have people play your game. So you play as a... I mean... I don't know, like a, like a future cyberpunk lady she's in, which I assume is supposed to be like Neo Tokyo or something. I mean, it doesn't really matter that much because you're in a single screen, like the whole, the whole world you're in is just one screen. You have a sword and you have a gun and you have a dash. There's a couple other abilities, but those sword, gun and dash is basically what you're doing. And so like a thousand goons will come running at you from, you know, all sides of the screen and you just kill them. Like that's all it is. So it's also, I mean, it's not a roguelike. It's just like a run-based game where there are some unlocks to do. Like if you kill, I don't know, like kill a thousand goons without getting killed, then you unlock a new gun. And if you, you know, do like these kind of challenges, um, like kill three heavy guys in the same run, then you get like, you unlock like new boots or something. And there's, I don't know, like six or eight different things you can change on her. Like she has a different gun, different sword, different boots. You can equip like different... Uh, I want to say it's cigarette types. I think it's cigarette <laughs> types. Um, and so you can change your abilities. I've unlocked a few things. I've unlocked a couple guns. One's like a shotgun. One's like a pistol. One is like a submachine gun, which seems completely ineffectual. And I don't understand why it's in there. Uh, a couple different swords that each one has like a special ability. 
but it's pretty straightforward, pretty simple. You're just doing a top-down kind of like, you know, goons flood in, you kill the goons as quickly as they come. Try to maintain a combo. This game puts a lot of emphasis on combo, keeping your combo going. And it's okay, but I'm not really that kind of a player. I just kind of don't care. But a lot of the unlocks really rely on you having a combo, so I'm not unlocking very much because I have a... I, I both struggle to do the combos, and I also struggle to care about the combos. So that is not getting me very far. But I like the aesthetic of the game. I like this style of game in short bursts. I mean, I'm playing it on Switch, and I think if I have five or ten minutes, you can play a really quick run. And you die super fast. Like, one hit kills you. So, like, you have to be, like, basically perfect playing this game, which is not my favorite thing, but it's it's okay. Like, I can play it for two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, and it's fine. But I think I'm kind of hitting my skill ceiling on it. Uh, or at least my skill ceiling without putting in practice. Um, I don't really think that I want to put in, like, hours and hours of getting better at this game. So... I think I've probably gotten as good as I'm going to get just on a, a casual basis. And I've enjoyed it, but I'm not sure that I'm going to come back and put very much more time into it. I think I probably played it for maybe like two hours, and I enjoyed that, but it was also kind of frustrating because you die so fast. And it was also frustrating because I felt like I wasn't really making any progress towards the unlocks. So I like it. I think, uh, you know, I got it for free, full disclosure, code from the developer. And I think it's good. It looks it looks attractive. It looks, um, you know, like something that's really actiony and fun. But I think it's maybe just asking a little bit too much of me that I, I just don't want to commit to it. And not, it's not a bad thing. I'm not blaming it or anything. It's just, you know, it's like more of like a it's me, not you kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's good for what it is. Probably won't come back to it. But if you're looking for a top-down, kill-a-thousand-goons, run-based sort of cyberpunk adventure starring a woman who smokes cigarettes and has a katana, then... <laughs> This is definitely your game. Um, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I don't think I would play more of it, but I, I dig what it was doing. So, questions, thoughts, Corey? Um, whenever I saw this game, I kind of, like, knew, and especially after hearing you describe it, this is the kind of game that's, like, that looks really cool, but I know is ultimately not for me. But the first thing I thought whenever I saw it, I don't know if it was, like, the sword and the ninja vibe or the kind of, like, badass-looking vibe that it gives off, but I kind of immediately thought of Ronin whenever I saw mm -hmm. it, which I know mm -hmm. kind of has the hook of, like, the slow, like, the time-stopping thing, you know, where you, like, grapple to the ceilings and stuff. It, is it in that kind of realm of games? Oh, 100%. It is in the same basket as okay, Ronin Okay, perfect. So if you if you liked Ronin, that's actually a better comparison. I always go to Smash TV because I'm a super old dude, and Smash TV is, like... <laughs> the first real game that kind of had this kind of gameplay that I ever encountered. So that's what is locked into my memory. But yeah, Ronin is a much more recent example, much more current. And I mean, in terms of cyberpunk, in terms of like sword slashy, in terms of fast action, Ronin is a very close um, compatriot of this. Although this is just one screen. There's no levels to explore. Like you're just on one screen, just doing that action. So if the idea of playing Ronin in, no, that's not right. Not Ronin. What? It's not Ronin. What? I'm saying the wrong name. What is the name of it? <laughs> the game you're talking about? You're, you're, are you talking about the 2D side-scrolling one or the 2D top-down one? The one that you like with the red, all the red. What is that one oh, called? Oh, that was uh, Ruiner. Ruiner, yes. Okay, so it's closer to Ruiner. Yes, oh, sorry. I was okay. thinking of Ronin, which also starts with an R, which also has a person in a <laughs> cyberpunk setting, which also has a sword. So there's a lot of similarities between all of these guys, all these games, I mean. But I'm actually thinking of Ruiner. Please, okay. please excuse my confusion. Because like I, I liked Ruiner a lot, but I did not like Ronin at all. So what does that mean for me in this game? 
Uh, I don't think you would like this game. I don't think so. <laughs> because it is it is as deadly and fast as Ronin is, because there definitely is some some shared DNA there. But it handles a lot more like Ruiner. Like it feels like Ruiner and it's got that same sort of top down cyberpunk thing. So if you liked Ronin, I don't think that you would like this. But you didn't like Ronin. Um but you did like Ruiner. Oh, this is getting so muddled and confusing. Oh, God, Jesus. it's crazy. Anyway, top down. If you like <laughs> Do you like Smash TV, folks? Because Smash TV is a lot like this game. <laughs> uh, Smash TV, Ruiner, top-down sort of a thing, single screen. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, let's move on because I feel like we are completely tripping over ourselves and getting lost in the weeds here. Um, the next game I want to give a shout-out to really quickly is something I'm still playing I'm in the middle of right now. It's called Gollum Gates, put out by Laser Guided Games. Uh, I believe this year was the first year it was released. PC, Switch, PS4, Xbox One. I'm playing it on PS4, but I did also try it on Switch. Also, full disclosure, codes from the developer on this one, too. This is uh, a top-down, real-time strategy game, an RTS, where you play as some sort of a weird biomechanical dude who's kind of like, uh, I don't know, taking over some kind of weird abstract sci-fi territory. I mean, you're basically just like doing RTS top-down maps and the control is really well suited for console. You have cards. So there's also a deck building element where you, you pick the cards of the characters that you want in your deck and then you have a little energy meter that grows and if you have enough energy, then you can use a card and the cards will summon different creatures. Um, so you stay in one place and then you send out creatures to take over other bases or to, you know, capture territory, capture the flag, take over other other things. So you have like, you know, small monsters, medium monsters, bigger monsters. You have spells. There's like a fog of war. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward RTS. I find that so far the best strategy is just to build up a giant army and send them places because that really works well. And... I mean, to be perfectly honest with you guys, everybody listening, RTS is one of my least favorite genres. I, I don't like that style of game very much. I am terrible at that style of game. <laughs> so maybe other people would notice things about the game that I don't, or maybe, you know, pick up on nuance, nuances that I'm not picking up on. Uh, but it seems to me like a pretty standard RTS, although I do kind of like the aesthetic of it. Um, it's very stark. It's very cold. It reminds me a lot of some 1970s sci-fi aesthetic where everything was like flat edges and metal and like just really devoid of like biological life that that theme popped up a lot in the 70s so i think that theme is pretty cool um it, it it's put to good use here it aesthetically is pretty cool looking um but it just seems like a standard rts where you just build up a big army and swarm everything and that seems to work okay i'm still working my way through the campaign there's also online multiplayer haven't tried that i probably will never try that because that sounds horrible to me <laughs> Uh, but it seems okay if you want a, a console-based RTS, which, to be fair, there's not very many of those. And of the ones that there are, most of them handle like shit. This one controls pretty easily. It's very it's very easy to move around and control your troops. It's, it's manageable. Uh, the screen is not too cluttered with stuff. I feel like it's easy to get a handle on. I learned it pretty quickly, so no problem there. Uh, but it just seems pretty standard. I mean, uh, apart from the aesthetic... I don't necessarily know that it has a whole lot to recommend it in terms of gameplay, but if you crave RTS action, this is that thing. Um, chipping away at it still, I may report back or I may not. Uh, but so far, 
you know, it's cool. It's cool. I'm not the biggest RTS fan, but if you are an RTS fan, I bet there might be something here for you. I am the farthest thing from the biggest RTS fan, so I don't think I would ever try this. Yeah, I just, oh man, I really can't stand that style of game. I don't know. I mean, people like it, and that's cool. Different strokes for different folks, horses for courses, all that stuff. But man, I just, I cannot get down with RTS. That just, it stresses me out, and I find it so hard to manage, and I just do not like. Um, but this one is okay. Like, I'm not hating this one. It's just, uh, it just seems kind of par for the course. So anyway, there we go. Corey, let's turn it back over to you, uh, my good fellow. You've been playing a horror game which actually caught my eye i think i recommended this to you didn't i you did but i also had seen it on the psn before you recommended it to me okay so we mutually converged on through the woods in fact i actually did buy it i don't know why because i never play horror games but i felt compelled to buy it and i know you bought it you played it this is put out by antagonist studios i believe originally released in 2016 guessing for the pc i bought it on ps4 you have it on ps4 also correct that is correct Okay, tell us about Through the Woods. Okay, so Through the Woods is a third-person kind of spooky adventure game, if you will. Um, it stars a... I actually cannot remember her name. It's like a mom, I guess. And I played it just a few nights ago, and I feel like I must be having some kind of, like, I don't even know, situation, because I can't remember, like, details of things from a few days ago. But you play as a woman... And her son, her son's name is Espen, E-S-P-E-N. And they are, I don't know what nationality they are, but they both have heavy accents. I think they might be like Danish or something. Not that that really matters. But they go to, it's just the two of them. They go to this cabin in the woods and some place that's far away from home, I think. I can't really remember exactly why they're there, um, whether it's like a vacation or something like that. And then... Basically, the game kicks off because in a series of events, um, the woman's son ends up getting kidnapped, and it kind of starts out like a pretty standard, you know, like you play as the woman, you take your son out. It's a very old cabin, so there's like not a restroom in it. There's an outhouse, and you like take him to the outhouse because he has to use the bathroom, and he's probably like 13 or 12 or, you know, a little bit younger, and then... And then he goes down to the docks and then she tells him not to. And then like she turns around and then somebody is kidnapping him and they like row him away in this rowboat. This all happens in the first like 15 minutes of the game. So the point of the game is that you're kind of like this determined mom who is overcoming adversity and like the wilderness and, you know, these scary spooky woods that ordinarily she wouldn't be traversing in order to find her son which is kind of a cool, like, storyline because I like the fact that in most games, like, it's very popular a few years ago for there to be, like, the dadification of games. And, like, every fucking game that came out was about, like, this old grizzled dad who is, like, daughter, something happened to the daughter and he was either trying to get the daughter or he was, like, taking the daughter figure on this journey. You know, like, we had The Last of Us and The Walking Dead Season 1 and it was, like, a big trend for a little while. So I like this version because it's like a determined mom and her son. So it kind of like turns it on its head a tiny bit. But the game kind of takes off in a little bit of a different direction because once you start um, exploring the woods and you have it's you and your flashlight, as far as I have played, there's no combat. There's no like mountain climbing. You know, she's not doing like backflips. She's not Laura Croft or anything. It's just like an average, you know, woman 
kind of trying to get her son back and trying to figure out what happened to him. And as you start exploring the island, I think they're on an island or the woods or wherever they are, um, it kind of has this weird thing going on where, like, if you could, in a, in a way, imagine, like, Alan Wake meets God of War kind of smashed into the same game without any combat because the game dives very heavily into a God of War-like sort of Norse mythology thing. Like she starts coming across runes and the city or the city in the woods and the mountainous areas. She starts finding these journals that are detailing these characters that have kind of very specific and odd like old school names and stuff. And it all you can tell is all kind of linking together into this kind of like mythological like thing and so it's kind of one of those games like for people who enjoy like god of war because it really dips into this whole like mythological norse lore situation it basically follows a lot of those same beats where you'll kind of come across you know character different versions of the characters and stuff like that that are from mythology and from like the norse world but it's still kind of grounded in reality in a way where you're just like an average woman kind of searching through the woods with your flashlight it's spooky, it's scary, so it's got that Alan Wake quality to it where it's just like you and the flashlight and you're going through everything. So, I mean, I wouldn't call it a walking simulator because it's not like there's a challenge to it because eventually you find, I don't want to spoil what they are, but you'll find entities in the woods that you have to like kind of hide from or run away from and that it kind of hunt you in a sense. Um so there's like an element of danger. There's an, a slight element of stealth because there's like a sneak button so she can crouch and kind of sneak very slowly around. Um, but a lot of it is just kind of exploring with your flashlight and you're kind of like picking up these journals and kind of understanding the lore of what's going on and trying to figure out where your son was taken and try to get him back. And I played it for about maybe one to two hours uh, over the weekend. And I kind of like what it's doing but I, it's it's one of those things where I got to a part in it where I'm facing just a little bit more challenge than I wish the game was giving me because I'm facing kind of two entities at the same time that are like hunting me through the woods. And I have to get to, there's like a torch on the ground and it's, you know, like a wooden stick with a big fire on the end and you pick it up and it's the first time in the game that I've gotten anything even remotely resembling a weapon and you can, like, use the torch to kind of, like, wave these entities away. But I got to a part where I basically keep dying right before I... The checkpoint right before I get to the torch. So I keep, like, I'll die. And then I have to, like, run back to the torch and pick it up. And then, like, sometimes the torch will work to drive the entities away. And sometimes it won't. And if it doesn't work, then, like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Because basically if the thing catches up to you, then you're dead meat right then and there. And then you have to start over from the checkpoint. So the game doesn't really give you any, there's not really like a big tutorial. And I mean, there's not really a lot to it because you're just kind of like walking and running around and sneaking around and pointing your flashlight in different directions. So it's not like you have to learn like combat mechanics or climbing mechanics or, you know, swimming or whatever. Um, but it doesn't, I, I could use with like a bit more handholding and it has a very like, kind of like, I don't want to say like a retro vibe, but you can tell that it's obviously not developed with like a huge team. It's, it has like a bit of an indie feel because it seems like the slightest bit janky. 
um, you know, just like the way you move about the environment and like sometimes you'll expect if say if you're like climbing up a cliff or something or like there's like a little bridge in front of you that you want to climb up, the screen will like black out and then she will appear on the other side of that obstacle where it makes me think that maybe like they didn't have the resources to do the animations for her to do that kind of stuff. And the voice acting is a little bit spotty. For some reason, she like narrates a lot of the game, but it's like she's not saying it out loud in like an annoying Nathan Drake way. It's just kind of like in her like inner monologue in her head. And she like whispers a lot of the stuff that she's thinking and you hear it through the speakers. And I think that's a little weird. Um, I mean, it's not unwelcome, but for some reason she just like whispers a lot of the stuff that she says. And maybe it's because she's like, scared and you know her she doesn't want her inner thoughts to get too loud or something i don't really know but i kind of you know initially liked what it was doing however the norse mythology like edge really has no effect on me because i don't i'm not into that kind of stuff like i'm not into you know that kind of stuff baiting me in for like a good story on a game and i felt the same way about god of war whenever i played it like there's a lot of Norse mythology going on and I didn't really I'm not that familiar with it I don't really care about it so a lot of that was lost on me and it's kind of the same thing for this game but it's even a little bit more dull because there's no like I don't want to say there needs to be combat but like at least in God of War there was like stuff to do as far as like fighting enemies but in Through the Woods you're just kind of like running around and pointing your flashlight in places and you don't have a map you don't have a compass so I will get turned around every once in a while and it's never a huge deal. Like I'm never so lost that I have to like checkpoint myself or, you know, try to throw myself off a cliff to die or whatever. It's just like every once in a while I'll get turned around on trails and I'll end up like circling back around the same houses a few times. It would be helpful if she had a map or at least if she had a compass. And I just wish that there were like a little bit more to do other than just like run around because there's not really any puzzles that I've found so far. So there's not like kind of a tricky puzzle element. There's a little bit of sneaking to get around some stuff, but I just feel like it's a little bit too dull, which is weird coming from me because usually I'm the guy who's like, yeah, give me this game where I walk around and do nothing for an hour. This is like my game of the year. <laughs> but I think the fact that I've been playing it for like a couple of hours and I can't tell where I am in the story, like the this pacing of the story is such that at any given moment, I kind of feel like it could end in the next 20 minutes or it could be like six hours long and I have like no clue how long it's going to be. So that is also something that's a little bit concerning for me. So I just like, I'm very, I don't know, I'm very on the fence about this game because I kind of like what it's doing because it's like appealing to me in ways that, you know, it's not a game about shooting people. It's not a game about killing stuff. And I'm always kind of up for games that are about something other than that because there's a lot of you know, games that are out there in the space that are very, like, violent or sort of, like, go toward that genre. But at the same time, it's kind of one of those games that, like, without a lot of hooks, and unfortunately, like, a lot of games use violence as their, like, gameplay hook to really get you into it. And there's a lot of games that I play, like, such as, like, Prey that came out in 2017. Like, I often, when I when I thought back to playing Prey, like, would this game be better if it didn't have combat? And I feel like I'm kind of in the same rut with Through the Woods. Like, I think, man, would this game be better if it had combat or would it be better if it had something other than just running around the woods and pointing your flashlight to kind of see where you're going? So I just, I'm kind of on the fence, man. Like, it's not super scary. Like, it's creepy, but it's not, like, jump scary. And it's not, like, 
psychological horror. Like, it's not like getting in my head, but it's just kind of has like a creepy tone to it, which I'm on board with. But I just feel like if it's not going to find a footing to do something other than just have me run around this mountainous region, then I'm going to get bored of it. And I'm wondering if this like situation I'm in right now where I keep dying in this one segment is like a blessing in disguise because I don't know if the game is going to get any better than it already is. And maybe I should just pack it up and go home now, or maybe I should persevere and see if I can get past the segment and see if the game gets any better. I just, I don't, I just don't quite know what to do with this game right now. Interesting. Interesting. I, uh, I mean, I, I got many thoughts right now. Many <laughs> thoughts. Um, I think my first thought is that I don't have any interest or curiosity about like, like the Norse mythology, which is kind of what you're describing here, right? Like the same, the God of War flavor kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, um, I just, I, you know, I, I, I like mythology in general. I like many different kinds of myths, but man, that is one group of, of myths that is just like, I've never found it interesting, never really clicked with it. So that probably would be not something that would draw me into it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm interested in games that don't use violence. So, and I think violence is too easy of a trigger to pull for people. Um, and it's just, it's like the lowest common denominator to like point and shoot at something or to whack something. So I'm very curious about this as a game that does not use violence, but at the same time, I do agree with you. There needs to be, something um to carry you along the pacing's got to be exciting or there's got to be like story reveals or there's got to be something going on um but at the same time i mean you're kind of describing it as this weird kind of indie vibe and to be to be honest i was kind of surprised to hear you say you played it for two hours and you were done like i totally thought this was going to be like a really short sort of a hey we're indies and we have this one cool idea that's going to take you three hours to get through and then we're going to be done um i mean i can't imagine that a game that has no interaction is going to be that long but if you don't even know where you're at in the story, that sounds like it's got some pretty severe pacing problems going on. So I don't know. Like, I mean, I bought it already. I think it was on Mega Sale. Um, and it seems... It, so, you, so you said it's not jump scary, right? Yeah, it's not It's not jump scary. I mean, there's been like maybe one thing that's kind of scared me in the moment. But I think it was more just like me kind of turning around to witness something in the moment and it wasn't so much like you're walking on a path and like this giant monster jumps out like it's not really like that or at least it hasn't been like that so far okay because i i really can't get down with jump scare games like that is just like like fuck you and fuck off like i don't like jump scare <laughs> games. but i still am interested in like you know horror or psychological horror or you know, body horror or just things that, you know, kind of push the edge a little bit. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I have it on my PS4. I got to make some time for it. Maybe I'll fire it up and just see how it strikes me. Maybe it'll strike me differently than you. But I mean, like you said, you're definitely the guy who's like the whole walk around and check things out for a couple hours. I mean, that is your basket. And if you think this is too boring, then I mean, I'm, I'm sure I probably would too. Yeah, but. I think, okay. So um, now that you mentioned that, I think the thing that maybe is turning me off about this game is that I'm totally the guy who's like the walk around gamer. But the thing that always hooks me with games like that is that I often say that I call those games the looking through people's shit simulators, and there's no shit to look through in this game. Like, every once in a while you stumble upon a cabin, but it's always just like a text document to read, and every time I pick up a, a text document, I never, re I never read it. I just click off of it because I don't have time to read all this <laughs> dumb lore. Like, if you want to tell a story in a game don't write it on pieces of paper and litter it throughout your game. So every time I get one, I close it. But there's not really, like, 
an investigative element to it. It's just like purely explorational. And I think maybe that's what sets it apart from, you know, like Walking Sims that I like were a lot of, um, you know, like even Deus Ex to an extent or like Kona or Prey. Like there's a lot of just like looking through people's stuff, trying to get to the bottom of a mystery. Whereas Through the Woods is just like you're running through the woods for most of it and reading people's diaries like i don't know it's just like a little bit there's just like not quite enough meat on its bones for me perhaps interesting interesting i i do not like going through people's shit so that's one area (laughs) where we i hate going through people's stuff um but i also hate looking at text documents that is like if i if there was one thing that i wish would like just disappear from video games forever it would be the whole pick up a document or pick up a file to read about something that isn't told to you in the story or something that you don't see or do. I really wish developers would just fucking let you experience the story in a more active way. Um, so I do not get down with documents. The thought of like looking for diaries and finding diaries and reading diaries is like something I never want to do in a game again. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll just fire it up and see how it strikes me. Um, I kind of, I kind of want you to spoil yourself and like go look at an FAQ to find out like, are you near the end? Do you have like nine more hours to go? Or like, I feel like this should be your jam. I mean, I'm wondering if maybe like the developers just have such shitty pacing that they are losing their core audience, which is you. And if you just go a little bit further, would it get better? I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to be that guy, but you should go look at an FAQ or something and see <laughs> if there's anything in there to kind of make you keep playing. Cause I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, how that would, the rest of the game would affect you. Yeah, I would just, I, I would like to know where I am. Because, like, I hit kind of a big story beat, like, pretty, maybe about 20 minutes before I stopped playing. But it was the kind of story beat where, like, a thing happened, and then, like, it just kind of extended. I wouldn't call it padding, because it's not like a, the game, I don't get the sense that this game is, like, really padding itself out in that way. But it was, like, you think you reach a goal, and then you realize you didn't reach a goal. And so you just have to continue on to try to get to the goal. And I really, like, it gives me no indication of how far I am in the story. Like, the game kind of sets up kind of a big bad, but I don't know where I am in relation to getting to him. Or if I will get to him. Or, I don't know. I just, like, I I just feel like I don't know where I am and maybe this is one of those dumb situations like with you know like Spec Ops The Lion where it's like oh well the game is boring because it's supposed to be boring and maybe this game is like oh well you don't know where you are because you're like not supposed to know where you are like maybe it's more meta than I think it is but I just I need like a little bit more like I don't know a little bit more of a tighter pace in this because if this game were like two hours long I probably would have liked it, but I have no indication of how long it is. Like, it could go on for another three hours. It could go on for one hour. I really don't know, and I wish I did. All right. All right. Well, let us know how it goes. I mean, I'm kind of curious to hear how this turns out, but then again, I may give it a shot, so we'll see. Um, Let's move on real quick. A couple more games, then we're going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, I want to talk about Slay the Spire, which is coming from Mega Crit Games, originally released in 2017 although it was an early access for a long time and it just came out for the switch literally today so i've been playing (laughs) on an early release code i also tried it on ps4 again full disclosure uh codes from the developer on this one um a little bit of a funny story i originally saw this game i want to say probably in like 2014 2015 
Uh, they These people are from Seattle. I don't know them personally, but they are developers based in Seattle, and they went to the Seattle Indie Expo, uh, which uh, always happens at the same time that PAX West does. And I remember being at the Seattle Indie Expo, and I remember I clearly, clearly remember seeing this game and meeting these people, although I didn't know who they were at the time. They didn't know who I was. I was just some guy in the crowd. <laughs> Uh, and I remember looking at their game and thinking, this looks like absolute dog shit. What is this? this <laughs> oh, is my cool. God. I remember thinking it looked awful. Like, I didn't understand why they were showing it because it, it was just a mess. It was just a mess. I didn't understand what the gameplay was. I didn't understand what the point of it was. The graphics were really rough and awful. And I remember just sitting there playing it. They're like, yeah, you want to play this game? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, this is like, really bad. <laughs> like, this is terrible. I remember, I clearly remember that um, because it was so awkward. And I remember just having this, like, blank stare at one of the developers. And I just had, like, literally, like, nothing to say because I didn't want to say something insulting. Um, and I'm just like, thanks for letting me play your game. <laughs> and I kind of just, like, walked off. But I remember, I remember seeing it. And then, so that's, that was my first encounter with Slay the Spire. Jump forward a couple years, and I was listening to the Gamers with Jobs podcast, which is uh, one of the ones I listen to fairly regularly. And everybody on that fucking show was like, oh, my God, Slay the Spire is so great. I can't stop playing this game. I've got like 200 hours in this game. This game's amazing. And I'm like, what? I pull my car over like immediately, and I start like like doing a Google search. I'm like, this can't be the same game. What are they talking about? And like everybody on the podcast raving, raving about this game. And I'm like, but that was what that other game was called. That was the shitty game that I saw in NDX, but this can't be the this same game. This can't be the same on? game. <laughs> it is the same game. So what happened was, what happened was, these guys, all credit to them, have really poured their heart and soul into it. Apparently, they have been doing, like, weekly updates via early access for, like, two or three years or something. And so with the help of the community and with their own hard work and creativity... Uh, I mean, the game as it is in its form today is like basically unrecognizable compared to what it was back then and in, in the best possible sense. Uh, and on the one hand, it's like, man, amazing total props to you because I never in a million years thought was that was going to turn out to be a good game. Uh, and also it kind of just like it kind of is like a warning of like, don't show your game to like people or I guess specifically critics until it's like really show worthy because <laughs> You're just going to get that negative connotation going and it's going to look really weird and awful. I mean, an indie developer showing it to other indie developers in a jam or something is one thing. But like, I don't know, man, just seeing it being an indie expo and assuming that these people wanted to show it off. I was like, oh, dear. Like, what is whoa? You guys should be showing this off. But anyway, enough shit talking. Um, Slay the Spire is out today on Switch. I think it's awesome. I actually think it's awesome. It has come so far. It has gotten so much better. Uh, It is a deck building again i don't want to say a roguelike game because i don't think that's appropriate but it's like a run-based game where you are intending to like beat the game every single time you try it and sometimes you do sometimes you don't because there's a lot of randomized elements um but it's a 2d hand-drawn art based game you have uh, cards you have three characters to start with each character has their own set of cards you have uh, a guy called the ironclad which is kind of like a fighter or soldier you have a thief-like character, which is not exactly like a thief, but kind of like a thief. And then you have a robot, which is sort of like a magic user, but not really. Like, all the classes that you have are kind of off the beaten path, which is pretty cool. I dig that they didn't just, didn't just go with regular archetypes. Um, each one has their own separate deck of cards, and each card has, like, a variety of things. Like, you know, one will be, like, 
you know, attack for five damage and one is block for five damage. And then they have like, like all these different things, like the, the soldier guy, he's into like big, heavy strikes, a lot of like double attacking, uh, doesn't block so much, but he's got the ability to kind of heal himself a little bit. The thief dodges like a lot, blocks a lot, has a lot of poison attacks. And the robot, who's actually turned out to be my favorite, has a lot of like little, um, I don't know, like little units that travel along with him. They kind of float in the air above him and they can uh, channel different elements. He's got like lightning, ice, uh, darkness, uh, plasma. They all do something different. And so like depending on which ones you you summon, they can have different powers. Like some of them attack for, for you. Some of them defend you. Um, I like that guy the most. I think he's pretty cool to use, pretty fun. But basically... You start at the bottom of a tower, and I've, I've been on record many times as having a weakness for tower climbing. You know this, right? Yes, but does the game have jetpacks? See, no jetpacks <laughs> yet, which is a disappointment. Also, no grappling hooks. So it's only got one of the three elements that I am weak to, but, you know, still, <laughs> still striking a critical hit with me. Climbing a tower, is, it gets you pretty far with me. So you start off the game with your basic deck, and then as every time you beat an enemy, you do like a one-on-one -on -one battle with each enemy on every floor, Every time you beat an enemy, you get one new card. They give you, like, three cards to pick from. You can pick whatever you want. And then you build your deck as you go up the tower. So every time you beat a new battle, you get a new card. Sometimes you'll get to, like, a shop where you can buy cards or uh, buy potions or something that give you, like, more life or have different effects. Uh, every once in a while, you get to, like, a boss, which will, if you beat them, will give you, like, an extra really good card. And that's basically all there is to it. Uh, but it's really well done, really elegant. Um, the thing that I like most about it in its current form is that they've really gone over the UI a lot. You can tell that they've really put a lot of effort into it because everything on the screen is very clear, easy to understand. It's very elegant. Nothing's cluttered. And like, it's like, it's so amazing that like you can, you can kind of, uh, move the, the joystick to highlight anything on the screen at any time. And if you don't know what it is, it'll tell you right away what it is, because sometimes you're like, oh, I have a green potion in my belt. What does that do? I forget what it does. And all you got to do is select it and it tells you right away. Now that sounds like a, like, a, like, so what big deal, but so many of these games require you to go into like a separate menu or to go into like a bunch of menus or to like go to the glossary or go to the codex to find out what something is. Or sometimes you just can't look it up. I really, really, really appreciate the fact that you can just mouse over to something or not mouse over, but you know, control over and just anything on the screen. And it'll just immediately tell you that's what it is. And I'm like, that's amazing. So user-friendly, so uh, it does so much heavy lifting to keep the game moving forward that I really love it a lot. Also, all the cards are very straightforward and easy to understand. If you try to do something that the game will not allow you to do, your character will, like, say it out loud. He'll be like, I don't have enough energy for that, or uh, I have to throw this card away or something. Like, he'll tell you, like, what's going on, so if you forget and you're like, fuck, why can't I do this card? What's going on? Like, your character just fucking tells you, and I'm like, oh, yes, amazing. <laughs> amazing. I love that, you know... They don't count on you going to the wiki. They don't count on you, like, knowing the game from early access. They count on you knowing nothing. And maybe you forgot what it was like last time you played. So they remind you all the time of what's going on. And I think that's so, so good. So good. Um, and it's just really straightforward. I, I, I think that it succeeds where a lot of other deck building games fail because you start fresh every single time. So it's all about what you're doing in the moment. Like, you don't have to, like, buy anything. There's no DLC or anything like that. Like, you don't need to manage your deck over time it's just like you jump in you start with the same fresh deck every time you beat a battle you pick what you like what did you like last time pick that again you didn't like that last time pick something new and you just kind of go and there's a lot of luck i mean it's always random it's, it's random about what kind of guys you fight sometimes you fight a guy that's really easy sometimes you fight a guy that's really hard sometimes a guy is really easy if you've got the right card but he's really hard if you don't and vice versa 
So if you like just that kind of run-based, I just want to play for 5-10 minutes and see how far I get, it's really good for that. I think it, it fills that niche really, really well. I have not been able to beat the game yet. I think that I need to uh, work towards unlocking some cards where you just kind of, uh, you play long enough, you gain experience points, and then these cards will be added to the game. So I think they're all probably like high-level, high-power cards to help you get a little further. Still working on unlocking some of those. Um, but so far, like, I really, really like it a lot. I think the graphics have a very unique style to them where it looks like they're kind of, kind of like construction paper cutouts, kind of like hand-drawn with crayons, kind of like um, painted a little bit. Like, it's, they got a really unique look to them, which I, I like. I like it a lot. It stands out. It doesn't look like anything else out there. And it gives it a very unique flavor. A lot of the enemies are very unconventional. A lot of unique designs that you don't see very commonly. Um, and I just I just think it's really good. I'm playing it on the Switch. It is a perfect fit for the Switch. It's the perfect game to take on the go because you can jump in, jump out, don't have to remember anything. You can uh, pause any time. That's no big deal. Uh, it's just it's really great portable game. Really deep and interesting, but also approachable and easy to pick up and put down. Um, I think it's really wonderful, and I think these guys have uh, done a great job in taking that sow's ear that I saw three or four years ago, and they have turned it into a true silk purse. It is a really, really great game these days. Definitely recommend it. You'll probably hear me talk about it at the end of the year. It's probably going to be in my top ten. Uh, I have not been able to put it down since I got code last week, and uh, it's soaking up all my free time. I, I dig this game a lot. I think it's really, really good. I was not expecting that comeback story from the way you began that discussion. It is like the most crazy glow up I've seen <laughs> since ever. Like I don't, the, the difference between day one and now is like, you just, you cannot believe how far it's come. It's, pre it's pretty amazing. Well, good. Cause there's nothing that we enjoy more than championing games, especially ones that we originally thought were going to be bad. So this is all good news. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. I bet you're going to be hearing a lot about this game starting today. Um, it's just released for the Switch, and I'm guessing a lot of people who travel in my circles are going to pick this up, and I'm guessing they're going to love it because there's a lot of good stuff to like about it. It's really, really good, really elegant, really smart, very well done. Definitely give it a big, big, big recommend. Uh, that was Slay the Spire from Mega Crit. Good job, guys. Um, last game to talk about for the show, Code Vein, coming from Namco Bandai Games. Uh, it is not out for release yet, and I did not have a review code. This was a pre-release network, closed network test that codes were distributed from Namco Bandai. If you went to their website and signed up uh, for the code, I got one of the codes um, just randomly. Uh, so I've had pretty good luck. I got the uh, I got the Neo 2 code uh, randomly, and I got this one randomly. So that's pretty good. My luck is pretty good this year for codes. Um Best way to describe this game is post-apocalyptic big-titty anime vampire Dark Souls. <laughs> that is what this game is. I mean, I don't know what else I need to say about it. I mean, I think I, that's that's all you need to... That's the beginning of the end. That's, that's everything you need to know. Um, I did not expect this game to be good. I've seen this game for a while. It's been making the rounds. Namco Bandai started to do a PR push for it last year, and then they, they pulled back. They're like, whoop, 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 stop, stop, stop. I guess their initial feedback was not good. They put the whole thing on, on pause. They took it back, reworked it, changed some things around. I don't know exactly what they changed, but they were like, yeah, 
very forthcoming about, you know, this is not the quality we want. We're going to, we're going to not release this now. We're going to put some more time into it. I'm glad they did. I'm really glad they did. I wish more developers would do that, especially big developers and just be upfront and say, this is not the game we want to make. Like, we're not going to waste our time. We're not going to waste your time. So they put the whole thing on pause, but now they're getting ready to release it. It's coming up fairly soon. And I have to say that time was well spent because it looked like garbage before, but it is actually really fun and really good now. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this game. Um, so it's very similar to Dark Souls. It's a third person, real time action, um, kind of a stamina based thing with your combat. Uh, you've got a, a variety of weapons that you can equip and you're kind of going through dungeons. I mean, just just look at any video of Dark Souls and that's basically what this game is. <laughs> but the difference is uh, it's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more deliberate. And everybody in this world is like a vampire, but it's weird post-apocalyptic big titty anime vampire so like it's all gothic everybody's wearing like lace with with holes cut in it and like velvet jackets like faded roses and like gloves with no fingers on them and stuff like it's all very like you know like really vampy vampire cosplay kind of stuff like kind of over the top really baroque and emo um but it, it kind of works it kind of works like if you like um that kind of stuff this is right up your alley and I got to say, the aesthetic is pretty cool. I, I kind of dig it. It's not usually my thing, but I think it works here. You create a character, male or female. The character creator is great. It is really a very good character creator. I liked it a lot. Um, you could change a lot of things. You could have a lot of clothing options, a lot of things you could tweak, a lot of hair colors. Uh, I could finally get the bright red hair that I liked that a lot of games seem to ignore. Um, the only thing that I, I had a criticism about was you get to a part where it's, it asks you body proportions. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Let's check out the body proportions. Uh, I made a female character. And I, my favorite thing to do is play as a plus-size female in a game, which is rare. It is so rare. One of the rarest things ever. Uh, and when they came to body proportion, all it did was make the boobs bigger or smaller. Oh, like, nothing else on the body changed, which was lame. That was lame. I was totally hoping... She would bulk up and be a little on the heavier side, or maybe you could make her taller or something. But no, it was just the boob slider, basically, which is lame. But other than that, it was really good character creator. Uh, I really liked how you could change all the options. Everybody, I bet, is going to have a very uh, good time doing dress-up with this game. But once you get into the game, there's a, a story that is very straightforward. They just come right out and tell you what's going on. Uh, there's characters you can talk to. There's like a hub world where there's other characters to talk to. You can do stuff there. It seems like it's going to be kind of a go back to the hub world, then go to a level, do the level, then go back to the hub world. I don't think it's going to be open world, which is good. I'm kind of tired of open world games right now. Um, so, so far, it seems like it's all on track. The combat was pretty satisfying. I like that it was um, kind of slow and, well, slower than Dark Souls has been recently. And it felt very manageable. And also there were uh, NPCs to recruit if you wanted help. So there was people in the in the dungeons you just go up to them and say oh do you want me to help you and say yes they go with you and help you fight which is awesome so i like games that give you more options and i think that those options are great um, i think dark souls has gotten really dark souls 3 was kind of pushing the formula forward and sekiro which i talked about a million times was pushing it even more forward i'm glad to see somebody dial back and just kind of relax things a little bit so that was good the combat felt pretty good uh, also you can change classes on the fly. I started off as like a heavy weapons user, but you could do like a magic user. There was also like a gun user. There was also a sword user. Um, and the hook of the game is that you are a specific type of vampire who can change their flavor. 
So um, flavor. You can, yeah, like they there's like you know apparently in this world, every vampire is a specific kind of vampire. So like if you are, I don't know, born or created or whatever, if you start off being a heavy weapons vampire, then you stay that way, but not you. You're the special one. So you can change back and forth between classes um, and you can change up. I stuck with heavy weapons. I thought that felt pretty satisfying, uh, but I plan to give guns a go and see how that went. But overall, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really change the baseline expectation of what someone might expect from a Souls game. But I think the vampire setting, the post-apocalyptic setting, the anime big titty setting, and being able to just, you know, be in that world with a story that you can understand and have a different flavor to it is pretty good. Like, I was like, oh, you know, I really kind of like how it... It sounds weird to say, but it almost feels like it's a little bit retro because FromSoft has been kind of moving forward in the genre and the other Souls-likes have been exploring different territory. This one feels like... I mean, almost like a back-to-basics kind of a, a Dark Souls kind of feeling, which was kind of... I mean, kind of nice in a way, just to, to kind of roll things back. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, I expected this game to be trash, and I ended up really liking it a lot. I finished the whole demo. Uh, I thought it was very good, and it's kind of got me excited to see the full release. So I, I think that I probably will be playing this one later this year. This is yet another game, two games in a row, that I thought for sure you were going to be like, this looks like trash, and I think it's going to be trash. But we've had two, I mean, I don't know if I would call this Code Vein a glow-up, but we had two back-to-back. It doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. <laughs> but this is definitely two in a row. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to report it, too. You know, I mean, I, people work hard on these games. I can't imagine being a developer night and day slaving your weekends, your blood, sweat, and tears. You know, you're ruining your personal relationships. You're wearing yourself out. You're spending your lifespan on a game and then you know somebody takes a look at the game ah, meh, that sucks and they're like man what a you know like how terrible that must feel i'm really glad that this these people with code vein and also the people with uh, slay the spire you know really took the time to improve their work really make it worth it you know if you're going to do something like this like do it right and do it well and i'm glad to see that both of these things have really come to fruition in a good way so uh yeah i mean i just can't imagine spending that much time and effort on something that ends up being like a piece of shit in a bargain bin somewhere so <laughs> Good on these guys. Both of these are things uh, I recommend so far. Uh, really looking forward to trying Code Vein this year. And it's ironic because I didn't think I was going to be playing any Dark Souls games this year, but I'm going to play Code Vein for sure. And Neo 2 I was a big fan of, so that's at least two more Souls likes I'll be playing this year. Uh, and I'm getting a little worried my dance card's getting a little full with those. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. There's still plenty of time in the year. Uh, but that's it. Any last questions, Corey? Should we wrap it up? Um, I don't think I have anything else. All right, we have talked about a lot of games, folks. And just a reminder, there is going to be no banter at the end of this episode because Corey's going away on a vacation and we are splitting up these shows so that you will have a show this week and a show next week. So this is going to be the legit end of the show. Nothing else to hear after we wrap it up, but come back next week and we'll have a banter Q&A show. Uh, in the meantime, we are going to be giving away more games. How do you enter? The same way you send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. I've got Switch games. I've got xbox one games and i've got pc games all you have to do if you want a free game is to write in and say hey i heard your podcast and i would like a free game that's all you got to do let me know also which console you would like and i promise you i will hook you up with a free game how you get in touch with us so video games podcast at gmail.com uh one e email address does it all uh, you can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com once the show goes up 
We are also on Twitter as a show collectively, at SoVideoGames, but you can reach us individually. I am on Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. I will tell you right now, if you log on soon, you will see pictures of the amazing tacos I just had. You will not hear the taco <laughs> story until next week, but that is quite a story, and those were quite some tacos, let me tell you. Corey, where can people find you on social media? Um, they can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, also recently on YouTube. I know I talked about my, my uh, I don't know, flourishing YouTube career. Uh, not really. I am four videos deep, though, so that's kind of exciting. But um, I, you can find me at just my first and last name. Uh, my YouTube, I don't really know how YouTube does usernames, but... I think it's just my first and last name there, too. But that's not as important. Twitter and Instagram are the important ones. Uh, my usernames over there are my first and last name with no spaces. It is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Excellent, excellent. And that's it for us for now. Thank you, folks, again for joining us for another So Video Games. Uh, like I said, there's no banter after the closing music. But we will see you again next week with a pre-recorded banter Q&A show. Uh, but for now, in the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys in two 